Okay, I need a show of hands. Who said melon was the worst fruit in fruit salad? You're all wrong, okay? Melon is delicious. Okay, well, okay, honeydew, melon, almost the same thing. Me and Micah have this argument towards worship based on fruit salad all the time. Um, sweets. Awesome. Um, cool. My name is Andrew. I have the privilege of being on the college staff here at Mountain View, um, and I'm super thankful to see all you guys. Um, yeah, if this is your first time, welcome. If it's not your first time, good to see you again. Um, kind of what Micah said last week that I think is just going to ring true every week that we talk, we meet you guys and interact is just remember this is not a place of perfect people, but a place of people in need of the gospel and in need of Jesus. And so don't, if it's your first time and you feel out of place, that's okay. And if this is your 10th time and you feel out of place, like, and you feel like something's going on, that's not okay once you meet someone, but it's okay to feel that way and like have those feelings coming in. Um, and I'm super excited to start into kind of our normal rhythm of what we do throughout the semester. Um, so today, tonight, is the first week of a three-part series um, that we call Bible Community and Mission. Um, and so kind of our goal to start the semester um, is we kind of want to lay the foundation or as some people would say pillars of kind of what Mountain View College Ministry believes, right? Just like kind of going to build a house, you don't just like build a house, you know, right? We don't just go to empty plot and you build it. There's preparation, there's things. You lay a foundation um, and that you then build on. And that's kind of what we hope um, this series is about is what does Mountain View College believe and out of these three things, Bible community mission is everything we do, every ministry, every event, every reason we come together stems out of these things. And so my goal tonight as we step into the first one, Bible, is not just to give you a TED Talk. Like my goal is not to just get you some information so you can walk out the door, but my goal is for some of you that may have heard this talk before or know what the Bible is, um, is to hopefully stir your heart to the Lord and if you've never read the Bible or even thought about is maybe to start consider what that may look like. But I want to start with this. Who here has ever seen Rush Hour 2? Golly, wonderful movie, right, Micah? Exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm not, actually, actually, I'm not even dating myself because I think I was like, it was old when I was a kid. Um, but Rush Hour 2 is a comedy with Jackie Jan and I can't think... Something Tucker, I can't think of his first name. Um, but it's the story of these two cops. Um, Jackie Jan's from Hong Kong. Um, Carter is from LA. And it's these stories of these two guys coming together. They do all these kind of crazy things. But in the second one, there's this scene that is just, I think, just kind of plays the scene of like, how we view the Bible sometimes really interesting. So what's happening is J uh, Officer Carter is on this boat. Um, he's walking on this, it's actually a yacht. And he looks over and there's this the, the pretty girl in the movie, right? Like every movie has one. It's the one that everyone's like, oh, I want to be like that person or like, oh, that girl's so attractive. She's sitting there at the bar, whatever. He comes up and he introduces himself and says, hey, I'm Officer Carter. Nice to meet you. And he kind of gets to this point of saying like, this is my yacht. Like whatever you want, this is my yacht. Um, and she looks at him. She goes, oh, so this is your yacht. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, what's the name of it? And he, he's like rack, racking his brain because it's not his. And he goes, the SS Minnow Johnson which I don't know what the heck, why he called it that. But she says that, and she looks at him and goes, the side of the boat said the red dragon. And he's like, oh. And she goes, actually, this is my friend's yacht. And he goes, oh, this, I'm on the wrong yacht. This is like, they all look the same. Right? And he gets in this really awkward point if he doesn't know what to say because he was lying about this whole thing the whole time. Um, but what's really funny is I probably say these and you probably can go to times in your life that you're like, ah, I, 
I've been in the same situation where like, I knew this or I've done that. And then someone like, it was like, puts you in a spot. You're like, okay, like, honestly, I've never been there. And I think sometimes as we step into talking about the Bible, it's really easy for, for us to play the role of knowing, right? For some of us, it's like, you've been a Christian for a long time and you get in these conversations of like, oh, the Bible, I know that. But truthfully, you're like, I'm just not in a place that I really don't know I'm a ton about it. Um, or some of you guys just like shake your head. Like, I, this is my notorious thing. If I don't know what they're talking about, I'm like, yeah, that's super right. Like, I don't really know what's going on, but I get along with it. And so what I want to do to start is I just kind of want to lay this foundation for us tonight that we're all on the same page of understanding what we mean when we're talking about the Bible and what it is. And just like at the beginning where I said my goal is not just to give you a bunch of like facts and truth about God's word, um, but hopefully it is to stir the hearts of you to to desire to be in God's word more. Maybe it's to consider what that would look like for you to read for the first time. Um, But ultimately what we would say about God's word, laying this foundation, is that the Bible claims two massive things about itself. Um, The first one is this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it'll be up here. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training, and righteousness. The first part I want to focus on, all scripture is breathed out by God. What does that mean? It means this. It says the Bible is just not a, like a book that a group of guys came together and wrote necessarily, right? They, they couldn't just, it wasn't just a bunch of guys that came and wrote something and said, this sounds really, really good. I think we should put this together and give it to people and say it's from God, right? What we would say is that all scripture is from God, or another word that we say is inspired by God, that God inspired the writing of the Bible, that everything written in this book, or maybe you have on your phone, or maybe in a different version, everything was written and inspired from God through the hand of men. And why this is important to say is because if it wasn't inspired by God, then how easy would it be to contradict the Bible? Super easy, because people can write and say whatever they think, right? If I was in a certain mood, I can sit here and go, this is what I think I wanted to say, or this is how I feel things should be. But God's word is not like that. God's word was written by God through the hand of people. So know that when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about God's word, that this this book here is not just some regular book off a bookshelf. It was inspired. It was God-given. It's from a God who created all the universe, came and he put together this book for us. Written to a people for our benefit today, if that makes sense. Right? The first thing that the Bible claims about, it, by, about itself is that it um, is written by God. The second thing is that it says this in Psalms 19.7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The, book of, right, the Bible is perfect. Right? It means that God's word is perfect. Anyone here watch baseball? Anyone here play baseball? Golly, this analogy is great then. Um, so in baseball, I played my whole life... Um, it's, an, it's a below average sport, but right. Um, there's a thing in baseball called a perfect game, right? A perfect game is what, a pit, what happens when a pitcher throws, um, pitches the whole game, throws the ball to the catcher. Um, no one gets on base from it. So what it means is this, is that no one hit the ball and no one was walked or taken to the base. I won't go into detail what it is, but pretty much no one gets to base. While the pitcher starts the game, he finishes the game, no one touches the first base which is the goal to get around the bases to home plate. He throws a perfect game. 
right? There's very, there's, this happens like once or twice a year, maybe, um, but it's perfect. Nothing happens. Um, it goes down in history. And the thing is, is when we talk about the Bible and we say that it's perfect, it's the exact same thing um, that the Lord started in the book of Genesis, which is, in the, which is the first book, um, and he and ends in Revelation, which is the last book, and all of it is perfect, right? So we would say this, is that if God's word, if the Bible is spoken from God and written from God, and God's word is perfect in everything, and there's nothing wrong with it, then that means the truths that are written in it, we can believe. Like we can understand here today that regardless of how much you've read or how little you've read, that you can trust God's word. That this book that we've, we would push you to read and to understand and go through is like, you can trust it. The truth in it is believable, right? It, it, it points to things, it claims things, it calls us to things, it pushes us to things, and it's all truth. And it's not just a rule book. For some of us, that's what we've heard our whole life. Oh, Christians just follow a bunch of rules that if they read this book, that you have a bunch of rules you can live to or you can understand how to live morally, right? It's a bunch of callings and things to do. But I, I wanna change that dynamic tonight. I, I don't want us to walk away with just having knowledge of God's word because it's so much more than a, a list of rules to live by or a way or a manual to have a moral understanding of who and what um, Christians are called to. The Bible is a way that God changes us. It's a way we know God. And that kind of sounds weird. Like, how do you read a book and it changes you? How, how do you read a book and it, and it does something differently than just reading any other novel or book on the bookshelf? And in some ways, I can't really answer exactly this is how it happened, but we know it does. Right? The Christians don't hold this book to a high standard because it's just a book. It's because we know it's how the Lord meets us. So if the Bible is a book that we get to know God, then it's a book that we should spend in, spend our time in. But I want to share this story. Um, who here has ever been in an awkward situation? Oh, this is great. I wish he was here tonight. Um, so I, if most of you guys know, I'm from Texas um, originally. So in college, Josephine, um, every single time, uh, in Stokes. Um, I'm from Texas. I went to college in Texas. I got my undergrad master's in Texas. I moved up here four years ago. Um, but while I was in Texas, I worked at a church and I worked with middle school and high school students. Um, I was a intern, so pretty much like I ran the middle school ministry um, and then there was a guy over me who ran the high school ministry, but he was like the boss. His name was Ricky. So Ricky is about 62 now. You would not think he should be working with high school and middle school students because he's old. The dude's a baller. Um, he's just awesome. But one day we were sitting in his office. He walks in and he just starts like giving this weird smirk. And I'm like, did something happen? Like, what's going on, Ricky? He's like, you're going to laugh at me for this. So that last Sunday, he was telling me a story that um, these group of college girls, um, two, a few of them he had known. They had come through middle school, high school. He'd known them for seven or eight years. They walk up. They start having a conversation, and there's this third one. Um, and Ricky's the type of person who he hates making people feel like if they've met him, like he doesn't know him. Um, he's also like the king of side hugs. So he just like is very like, oh, yeah, like I, I've known you. I care for you. Here's a side hug. So he goes up to this third person, and he just walks up and gives him a side hug. He says, good to see you. And she just like stone faces him. 
so awkward. And he pulls away and he looks at me and goes, I'm so sorry, have I met you before? And he goes, she goes, never, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and you no, know, he just sits there and he just apologizes, like, I'm so sorry, like, whatever, 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 which put me in the perfect place. Because it's just like, this is great, like, I make fun of this guy. Um, but right, we, we've all, like, for some of us, it's funny. For some of us, we just cringe because we know how awkward it can be to be in those situations. Um, but the thing is, is, the thing is, is most of us um, have the same kind of relationship with God's word. What I mean is this. We have this false sense of knowing um, what God's word really does in our lives, right? For some of us, we grew up around the church and we heard from the Bible and we read from the Bible, um, but we only really know it as something knowledgeable that we learned from, right? Or maybe for some of us, we've never read it and it's completely foreign to us. Or for some of us, we read God's word because it puts us at a higher social standing with the friends around us, so we just intake it so we can outpour it so we look better. We don't really have a great relationship with the Bible. Just like Ricky, when he hugged this girl and she had no idea what's going on, is the exact same way that we are with God's word. We know the truth. Like when I was like, look, the Bible claims that it's perfect and it's written from God, you're like, yeah, I get that. But the truth is, the question is, does God, do you know God's word? Does, does it change you? Does it move in you? Does it work in you? And the thing is, is all that I've said so far is about this knowledge, right? Like we go for the knowledge of what it has. But the truth of the matter is, God's not really concerned about the knowledge you have of his word. Yeah, like as you grow and as you become um, deeper in your faith, as you go along, you're going to know more about the Bible. The more you read it, the more you're going to understand it. But what I want you to get to is that God's end goal is not just knowledge about it. I'll, use this, I'll talk, say it this way. Um, so I'm married. Um, I've known my wife for about three and a half years. Um, and I probably know my wife better than I did a year ago, and I'll probably know her better a year from now, right? Like, generally, I spend time with her. I'm going to know things about her, right? Like, I know her favorite color is pink, um, but it's not hot pink. It's like more of like a, a, like a dull pink. I don't know what that means, but it's something like that. There's a name for it. Right? It's a, that's actually one of our wedding colors, something like that, yeah. I don't know. Um, I know it's pink, right? I know that's her color. I know that one of her favorite foods is french fries, like, I know if I bring home french fries, she's going to be super happy. I know she likes a tidy house, um, which I don't always give her. Um, right? I know these things about her. But I can guarantee you my wife can give zero cares if that's all that our relationship is. If it's just me knowing things, what does that matter? If she came home to flowers and fries every single day of the week, but we didn't talk or any other, like, have anything else, I don't think she's really going to care. That relationship there desires something far greater than knowledge. Another way to look at it is the people around this room. It's great to be known. For some, for some of you coming in here, it's great to be known by other people or wherever you go. People know things about you. It feels great. I mean, I think of my, my friendship with Micah. Like, I know a lot about Micah. Like, if me and Micah were to spend a whole day together, I can fill it with all the things that he likes to do. Right? We can talk about jiu-jitsu. We can talk about Lucy, his dog. We can go and have wings somewhere because he loves wings. Wing shack. I don't know what he likes there. But I can fill my whole day. But one day, me and Mike are not going to live next to each other anymore. And our friendship is not going to be based on the knowledge I have about him. 
It's going to be based on so much more, growing together to something different. And the same thing comes when we talk about God's word. Right? The Bible has so much truth, and we can know so much from it and learn so much about God. Right? We learn about his love for us, how he's always with us, that we don't need to fear things, and the list goes on and on. And these are great things to know and understand. Right? But that's not what all God desires for us. Just to know. I'll be very honest, that sounds like a really like not great thing to chase after. Why would I want to just know a bunch of things about a God who's not there? But he desires so much more. Right? He says this in Psalms 51. Um, I don't know if I put this on the screen. So I'm sorry if it's not. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. God does not care as m- so much about how much knowledge or how many, con- how many days consistency you were. He doesn't care that you were, did it the proper way or the right way or did this in a certain order. He cares about the heart that you do when you go before him. Just doing things for the sake of doing them to make God happy is not the point. I'm going to share this story that we see in Scripture of a man that, that this happens to. Has anyone here heard of Nicodemus? Right? He's, this, he's a guy in the Bible, right? Um, what he, he's, he comes up with several different times in the Gospels, which are um, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. So you have the Old Testament, New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all pointing to the stories of Jesus. Um, and so there's a story in the Gospels about this man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Micah touched a little bit about this last week, um, but a Pharisee is a religious leader, a high-standing kind of person, even like what you would know as like a pastor or a teacher, like someone who stands on stage at church, is like even far, like they would see him as far greater than those kind of people. And so Nicodemus is a religious leader, and what he does is he comes to Jesus uh, at night. Um, and in John 3, he writes this. And this only has the second part. So I'm going to read the first eight verses quick. So um, it says, Now then a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So there's like a ton in there. I'm not going to touch it, but pretty much what's happening is Jesus is sharing with Nicodemus how someone comes to, to faith in Christ. Right? And that's not the point I want to focus on. The, ver- the, next, the part I want to focus on is this next verse. It says this. Um, Nicodemus, and this is on the screen. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus hit him with like the ender question, right? We've all been in conversation. Someone like asks us a question and it's like super convicting. You're like, oof. Like, I don't know how to answer that. And that's what Jesus says here. He says, He says, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? 
Because the problem was is Nicodemus knew the, knew the scriptures, right? Up to this point, the Bible wasn't this big for him. It was the first five books of the Bible that they call the Torah. But I mean, like I read the Bible, but Nicodemus had the Bible memorized. He like knew everything about it. He, un, he was supposed to be the one who could take and understand and talk about it. But the point is, is Nicodemus missed the point. He missed the point of all that was going on, all the scripture he knew, all that he had learned, he missed the point. And that's what Jesus was pointing to. And the thing is, is often we fall into the same habits as Christians. We miss the point. God's word is just another thing that we do with our day. It's just another book we read. It's just another step that we think gets us further. And we lose the truth that this book was not written just for us to know truth, but it was to have a relationship with the God who created you. Right? Christianity is not just us moving towards more knowledge in Christ. It is us looking more like him. Not a ladder to be climbed, but a relationship to be deepened. And the problem is when we talk about the Bible, most of us often allow the expectations of the world around us to shape the way we view God's expectations, right? Because in the world we live in, we talk about how we need to get better, we need to gain more, we need to move forward at a faster pace, right? The, we think about New Year's resolutions, right? Um, why do you think they start and they die so fast? Because people's expectations to get somewhere have to be done now and immediately. And the problem is, is we do the exact same thing with God's word. I mean, I understand it. Like I once wanted to learn guitar. I have, I have no musical ability in my life, but I was like, let's learn guitar. So I went to Guitar Center and I bought a really expensive guitar and that didn't make Lauren happy, um, but I bought it. I took it home. I played it for three months and I was like, man, I'm not getting any better. And I just stopped playing it. Right? We all have these expectations of immediate now and we think that God is the same way. He's looking up at heaven going, you need to learn this now. You need to understand now. I'm angry with you if you don't get to this point that you think I want you to be. Many of us have fears as we go to God's word because we feel that these expectations from God are too great that you're gonna, you're gonna fall and break underneath the weight of them. But here's the truth is that those are not God's expectations. God's expectations are not for you to learn and know every intricate part of the Bible. Yeah, one day maybe, maybe you'll be like lucky enough and that'll happen. But that's not his end goal. His end goal is for you to desire him through his word. Don't miss the point tonight. Don't miss the point that God has placed before you that as you go into his word, that he wants to know you so much deeper and for you to know him so much deeper. Right, and it's not this relationship that's one-sided. God's not just sitting up in heaven going like, hey, read your word, come to me. Right? We often talk about this, our relationship with God, our growth and knowing God more in this one-sided relationship. I often hear about it as like this idea of like, we're walking towards Christ or we're running towards Christ. And the thing is, is like, yeah, somewhat, but it'd be like running on a treadmill, 
right? I'm like, we're running in the same place. We're not really getting anywhere, but we're, we're moving. It's the same way as God is there present with us. I'm not running towards God, hoping that one day he'll look at me and go like, I'm good enough. God's there. He's with us. And the greatest part of it all is like, we're not in this attempt to know a God who doesn't know us. We're, we're going out and knowing a God who knows you deeply. And he knows every part of you. It says this in Psalms 139, 13 through 18. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. God's calling you to know him, but understand that you are fully known. Before you were born, before your parents even thought of having a kid, God knew you. He created you. And the God who created you desires for you to know him because he loves you. God knows us and he loves us. And please know that he has done far great things for us out of that love. And one of the greatest ones is to to know that who Jesus is. That Jesus being God saw us and he desires to know, know us, but he knew that he could never know us or us know him as deeply as we can because of our sin and our brokenness and we were separated from him. And in that great desire and love for us, he came down and he died on a cross so that we can now know him deeply. That is the God that is calling us inside of this this perfect and spoken word that is before us. This Bible is not just something that I tell you and it's like, or not even tell you, encourage you to read because it's just good material. It's because this is how we grow closer to the God who gave up everything for us because he loves you so deeply. Do not miss the point tonight. Do not miss the point of every single time you go before God's word that it's not just a hoop to jump through or something to learn or that God's so worried about how correct you do it. God wants you to know him. God desires a relationship with you. Do we view the Bible that way? Do we view it in a way that shapes our lives? And so I want to ask this as we go into worship, as we close out the night. For some of you, have you missed the point? Have you been reading God's word, but you've just been going through the motions of it? Or maybe you just, you've just been reading so that you can gain knowledge to impress the people around you or be accepted. Do not miss that God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him. For others, maybe you don't call yourself a Christian or never even considered, um, I'd ask you to consider. Um, if you come a few times, this is your first time. If you have questions, if you're sinking, I'd ask you to consider to read the Bible. And if you're like, that's a daunting task, I get, you can come talk to me. I'd love to read the Bible with you, Micah, Emily. Ask the person that invited you. I promise you, if you've never read the Bible and you are seeking, God will meet you. And God will reveal himself to you because he loves you. Let's pray. 
Father, I just thank you um, for tonight. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. Um, as you said, it is perfect and it's true and it's from you. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight we don't just grow in our knowledge and understanding of what your word is, um, but Lord, we would let your word change us and shape us and mold us, Father. We would not miss the point um, of knowing your word, but we, we would seek to know you because we are fully known and loved. So Father, let that drive our hearts forward. Um, it's for your glory. Amen.